time. Those with me in the book of James this morning. In James chapter 3. Praise God. James chapter 3. The title of the message today is The Savage Monster. The Savage Monster. You know every one of you have a savage monster? I don't, but you do. No, I'm just kidding. We all have a savage monster on the inside of us. Amen. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And that happens to be the tongue. All right. Amen. So James chapter 3, if you have it, say praise the Lord. While you're turning there very quickly, we have a external mic that's hooked up to that camera. So if you whisper, it will pick your voice up. So if you talk loud, it's really going to pick up your voice. It will be recorded. It will be put on the Internet. Because we're putting these on the Internet, okay? So, you know, hey. So you get mad at your husband and whisper. It's going to go on there. Vice versa, right? So just be mindful. You see that right there, that stand? On the top of it, there is a microphone. And it is extremely sensitive. can hear you breathe. All right? They might even be able to pick up angels. Now, that'd be cool, I think. I wouldn't mind picking up angels, but devils might even be able to pick up a demon. Well, y'all got real quiet, didn't you? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen? Some inside and some outside, right? I'd rather pick up angels in Jesus' name. So just to let you know, it's right there, okay? Aren't y'all glad that I did that? No, not set the mic up. I'm saying warn you. Okay. James chapter 3. We're going to talk about the savage monster in all of us. Okay? It's the tongue. All right. James 3 and 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. And I won't read any further. I'll just cover these verses all the way through verse 12. Okay? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word. We give you all the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Thank you for standing. May the Lord bless you real good this morning uh, with his word. All right. James chapter 3, verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters. That means a teacher. Knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in, in many things we all offend or offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Now, James is a realist. and He says that everybody uh, stumbles in this area. The word offend means to stumble. So there uh, is nobody, humanly speaking, that can control your tongue. Can't do it. And we'll talk about that. How many of y'all want a happy life? You want a good life. Okay. Please go to Psalm 34 and verse 12. Psalm 34 and verse 12. And while you're turning there, remember we went through the book of Proverbs and this is something that was constantly talked about in the book of wisdom. The area of the tongue and, and controlling the tongue. Y'all remember that? Okay, Psalm 34, verse 12. 
What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? How many of y'all want a good life? Verse 13, keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. The Hebrew is Lashon Hara. Lashon Hara. That means tongue evil or the evil tongue. Okay? So the, in the Bible, the Bible says if you want a good life, then you have to be able to control your tongue. Do not give it to Lashon Hara, which means evil tongue or the tongue of evil. Okay? Amen. It's very important. See, the tongue doesn't just influence other people, but the tongue influences ourselves. You understand that? And James will lay that out for us. It doesn't just affect other people. It affects your life. It affects my life. So the way that I use my tongue is literally influencing myself and influencing other people. Okay? If we want a good life, then we have to control the tongue. Amen? And not give it to Lashon Hara or the evil tongue. The Jewish scholars said about Lashon Hara, the evil tongue, that that is actually what caused the destruction of the temple of Israel. That's what brought the judgments of God into Israel and the temple was destroyed because of the evil tongue. And I think if you go through the prophets, you will see that the people have a very hard time, very much problem in speaking the wrong things, okay? So if it could bring down the destruction of the temple, the tongue, what could it do to a church? What could it do to a government? What could it do to a career? <clears throat> what could it do to a life? What could it do to you individually? The tongue is a very powerful thing inside of our bodies, and if it's used inappropriately, it is a monster, a savage monster, okay? So we cannot give ourselves to Lashon Hara. Now, what is interesting about Lashon Hara, the evil tongue, Jewish scholars talk about this, is not only did it bring the destruction of the temple of Israel, okay, but even a wrong facial expression. See, it's not just what you say, but in Lashon Hara is the facial expressions that you use, okay? So you know you ever give, that, give somebody that death look? Well, you didn't have to say anything, right? But the look that you had, that expression that you had, you didn't have to say anything, right? So Lashon Hurrah is not just what you say, it's to have an inappropriate face. Okay, say amen. So we don't want to go down to Lashon Hurrah and get involved with that. It's just a very, very bad thing if you want a happy life. Go to the Gospel of Luke, please. Luke 6. Now, does the tongue control the heart or does the heart control the tongue? Which one is it? Okay, let's look. I'm looking for the verse, excuse me. Okay, I'm in John, no wonder. Uh, I said, that's not coming out right. <laughs> okay, Luke, Luke 6, not John 6. That wasn't coming out right. 
Okay, Luke 6. Okay, ready? Forty-four. Okay, there. Luke six forty-four. That's better. You ever turn over to the wrong gospel? Okay, Luke uh, Luke six forty-four. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. See that? Ultimately, it's talking about the tongue. Now go to Matthew 12. I'll make sure I get in the right gospel this time. Matthew 12, Matthew chapter 12. Verse 34, Matthew 12, 34. Okay, you with me? All right. O generation of vipers. Now this is what Jesus said, correct? So he calls that generation, he's speaking. And he says, you are a generation of vipers. Is that Lashon Hurrah? Is that using the tongue inappropriately in an evil way? No, what he's doing is he's uncovering, he's exposing the evil that's in that generation. So to rebuke or to correct or to point out evil in an individual's life or to warn of danger that's connected with certain people, that is not Lashon Hara. Jesus said out of his own mouth that that was an evil generation that he was uh, speaking to in that day, correct? So he says, oh, generation of vipers, how can you be an evil speak good things? The focus is on the speech. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Okay? So does the heart control, the, when you say the heart, the innermost being, your soul and spirit. Does that control the tongue or does the tongue control your inner being, your heart? Well, the Bible says out of the heart, the mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So it starts in your innermost being and expressed with that muscle in between your teeth and my teeth, the tongue. Amen. It speaks of your speech. But also, the tongue has a reverse effect. And I'll show that to you in the book of James today. So even though it starts in your innermost being, what comes out of your heart, what comes out of your innermost being is spoken with your mouth if you can control your mouth, your tongue, then it can also affect your heart. It'll affect your life. So it, it work both, work, works both ways. Excuse me. What comes out of your heart, it comes forth out of your mouth. Your character, who you really are, is being, is being revealed when you speak. Okay, But also, if you can control the tongue, then it's going to affect your innermost being. So it's like a circle. Right? You with me here? Okay. So go back to James, please. If you want a happy life, then you have to refrain your tongue from evil. So he starts out, James starts out with, with uh, speaking to teachers or to masters. Now, I will say this in beginning. This has to do with official teachers in the church. 
It also has to do with unofficial teachers. Because everybody has an opinion. Everybody has an idea. You with me here? So if you're an official teacher or if you're an unofficial teacher, everybody's got something to say. And every day we use our tongue. How many of y'all use your tongue every day? How many of you have ever gone through a day and, and not used your mouth, not spoken anything? You've gone through a whole day and you didn't say a word. Okay. I don't know anybody that's ever gone through a whole day and didn't say a word. You use your tongue every day. I use my tongue every day. So James starts out and he's talking about teachers. And this is official teachers in the church. And this is also unofficials, unofficial teachers that are not officially recognized as teachers in the church. But you can still be a teacher. Okay. Now he says, James says, don't be many masters among you because you will receive the greater judgment. What does that mean? Well, number one, he's saying, James is saying that he's a teacher. But he's talking to people. He said, don't be many teachers among you because you'll receive the greater judgment. Does that mean there's a different standard for the teacher in the church versus the congregation? No, the standard is not different. The standard is not different for the teacher. The standard is not different for the preacher. The judgment is not greater on the teacher or the preacher in the official capacity of the church. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about because you're in the role of a teacher in the church in official capacity, or if you put yourself in a position of teaching people, even if you're not in official capacity, you are influencing people. Okay? That's what he's talking about. So it's not a greater judgment or a higher standard that James is talking about for the teacher. He's just letting the teacher know that because of your position of teaching other people, that it's going to influence other people's lives. There will be greater consequences. If you are affecting multiple people, there will be greater, uh, greater consequences. So if a man stands up and he teaches the church officially, or if he doesn't teach in an official capacity, that person that puts themselves in a position of speaking into the life of an individual, what does that do? Well, it's speaking direction. So if I get up, let me just talk about being in an official capacity. If I get up and I teach you the Word of God, but let's say I compromise. If I keep that to myself, that will affect me. But if I get up and I, I teach the Word of God and I compromise something that's in the Word of God, or if I teach you false doctrine, or let's say I push the boundaries just a little bit. Does that make sense to you? The boundaries of holiness, the boundaries of the Word of God, but I push them, you know, a little bit. And maybe I stand up in the pulpit and I belittle, I belittle very precious doctrines that are in the Word of God. Well, what have I done? in pushing those boundaries or teaching false doctrine or belittling things in the Word of God. What have I done? I've influenced a whole group of people. It's not just me, but I've influenced you. Therefore, you can leave that service, leave that meeting, and if you start walking in the direction of those words, it can cause you to end up in the wrong place because you've got the wrong direction. 
You with me? Now, some people, when they, they, let's say they get wrong direction in their life, they listen to the wrong words, they listen to the wrong voice that comes to them, whether official or unofficial. And let's say they listen to that instruction or that direction and they go off the right path. Well, some people will recognize it. They will, they will see in their life, you know, something's missing here. Something's not right. There's, there's something wrong here. There's something amiss. And some people will make it back. You know, have you ever gone off the wrong, you know, went the wrong direction? Are you able to look at it and say, you know what, is this something to feel right? I'm going the wrong way. I just know I'm going the wrong way. And what did you do? Some of you recognize, man, I'm, on the, I'm going the wrong direction here because I got wrong, maybe wrong information. And you, what did you do? You got back on the right road and you made it to your destination. The problem is, is that some people, when they're given wrong directions, never recover. They never make it back. Do you understand? They never make it back because they listen to the wrong voice either officially or unofficial. So when a person stands up, especially in official capacity, and they're teaching people, and it doesn't have to be just ministry, it could be at the school, Brother Timothy teaches. You know, Brother Timothy gets up and he teaches math, he teaches an algebra equation, and he teaches it wrong. Well, the students that he just taught are going to go out and they're going to believe that that was the right way to do it, and they're going to do it wrong and wrong and keep doing it wrong until somebody shows them it was wrong. You with me? So what the point James is saying is that don't be many teachers among you because of the influence you have. It's going to, your life, my life, brothers and sisters, when I stand and preach the Word of God to you or teach you, my life is duplicated in other people's lives. Amen? Because there is power in words. There is power in teaching. Okay, so now the good news is this. If I teach you correctly, I teach you good doctrine, don't push the boundaries, don't belittle truth, don't compromise with the Word of God, then you're going to be, you'll stay on the straight and narrow and you'll make it to where you want to be. But if I get up here and I teach you something else, it can affect your whole future, your direction, whole direction of your life. And that's what James is talking about. So anybody that stands up and teaches in an, an official capacity, especially, much less an unofficial, but an official capacity where they have an influence over many people, they need to have, number one, experience. They need to know what they're doing. They need to be gifted. Amen? you got somebody that is not a gifted teacher. you got somebody that doesn't know what they're talking about, somebody that is not experienced. When they speak, they are directing people's lives and it could lead those people down the wrong path. And that is what James is talking about at the beginning here. He's not discouraging somebody from going into the ministry. He's just letting you know that the words that you give people are directing people's lives and it can be good, but it can also be bad. Okay. Now the same thing goes for an unofficial capacity. Because everybody likes to talk Everybody likes to give their opinion about everything. You have to be careful in an unofficial capacity. If you bring, you know, a word to somebody or you whisper into somebody's ear something, you can affect the destruction of that person's life. 
you can cause them to go a complete a wrong direction in their life. Amen? And, it, and they may not ever recover themselves. They may not ever make it back. So this tongue is something that we have to be very careful about, especially if you have influence on a, on a person's life, officially or unofficial. Okay? Praise the Lord. You see that? All right. Verse 2, James is a realist. He says, for in many things we offend all. We all offend. The word offend, to stumble. He's a realist. He doesn't say nobody, you know, there's somebody that's perfect. He says, if you are in that area, you are perfect. But he said, realistically, nobody. Nobody is perfect in this area. James recognized that even in his own life, that he was not perfect in the area of his speech. As a, as a pastor and a teacher, I recognize times when I speak, I say things that can hurt people. I can say things uh, that would not be beneficial to the person. You with me? You know, and I might not mean anything by it, but I but I hurt the person. You know what I'm saying? And so I recognize that doesn't give us a James is not giving us a license to sin. He's not giving us a license to be a gossiper. He's not giving us a license to be full of pride and boast. He's not giving us a license, amen. To, to be hurtful or to be harmful or to be destructive to another person. He's not doing that. But as a realist, he's simply saying, we've all missed it in this area. Yeah, how many of y'all missed it with your mouth at some point in your life? Okay? I know that I have. So, the more influence you have, the more dangerous it is. Okay? Say praise the Lord. Because it affects the people that you're speaking to but also, and I think this is what I want to really try to focus in on some today, it'll affect you. Because if you're saying the wrong things, it's going to affect your person, your whole body. That little tongue can affect your whole being. It can affect the whole body of Christ by an official teacher, or it can affect you individually. Your own tongue can affect you individually. If you're saying the wrong things about your, your, yourself, it will affect your life. It, that little tongue will affect your whole person. All of your faculties. Okay? So if you go through life and all you do is critique yourself and criticize yourself and run yourself down and all you do is speak negatively about yourself, guess what? It controls your all of your faculties. Amen? If I stand up here today and all I do, if every time I get in the pulpit, is warn, 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 warn. That's all I do. It's always warn. You see, we know the devil is going to constantly try to come into the church and push it down. We know the devil is going to try to bring in false doctrine into the church. We know that. I know that. And I spend time warning this church. But if that's all that I do is stand up here and warn you, warn you, warn you, and talk to you about the negative things, pretty soon all we are is completely negative. Do you understand what I'm saying? And though I will, as a teacher, produce a certain kind of people. A people who are critical, a people who are negative, that's all they think about is negativity and being critical. They don't think about the goodness of God. 
There's more than just warnings in the Bible. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Please get it for me. Listen to what Paul says to the church of Philippi. Okay? Are we supposed to always think about the negative things about ourselves and about how bad we are? And Are we always supposed to think about the negativity of the world and, and only talk about that as a church? Are we supposed to always warn you about the devil and about false doctrine? Are we supposed to always warn you about this and never focus on anything else? If I do that as a pastor, what that is creating is a distorted view of who you are in Christ. And pretty soon, you and I, not only you, but I will start having problems inside. Because I will have a distorted view of my walk with God and who I am in Jesus Christ. If all I do is warn. Now, warning is important. But it can't be everything. Okay? Read, brother, please. What sort of things are true? What sort of things are honest? Honest. What sort of things are just? Just. What sort of things are pure? Pure. What sort of things are lovely? Lovely. What sort of things are of good report? Lovely, good report. And if there be any virtue. Virtue. And if there be any praise. Praise. Think on these things. Think on these things. You see what I'm saying? So my influence as a teacher upon you. One, I have to warn, I have to be a watchman on the one. I have to warn you, but I also have to declare the blessings of God to you, the goodness of God in your life, amen, the finished work of Jesus Christ, what He has done to save us from our vile self, amen. And if I don't do that, I'm going to have a certain kind of people. I'm going to have a people who are distorted. And all they can talk about is the bad, the negative, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Just the bad and ugly. Forget the good. So sometimes we have to preach to you the good news. And as a person, if you're a negative kind of dude, okay, you're a negative kind of sister, brother, all you think about is just negative all the time, negative, beating yourself up, talking about how bad you are, you're horrible, you're a mess, you're not going to make it, you know, and all this stuff, all I deserve is the judgments of God in my life you're going to have a distorted view on the inside. You've got to be very, very careful because your tongue influences your whole being. And if all you are and all I am is negativity, that's what we are. If all I talk just talk negative, that's who I am. If I speak prideful, I am prideful. If I speak rudely, I am rude. So your it comes out of your heart, but your tongue also controls your heart. Amen. That psalm that we just read. Look at the way the, the psalmist starts it out. Y'all will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord. He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto Him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. See how what He's talking about? Just praising God, God's goodness, God's benefits, God's blessings in His life. Hallelujah. You start talking like that, you'll start believing it. It'll change your life. It'll affect who you are. Now, correct what you need to correct 
Amen. But when you look in the mirror, don't just look at your evil self. Look at your, don't look at your fallen self only. Look at your new self. I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. I used to be a this, I used to be a that, but I'm not that anymore. Amen. Okay, y'all getting my point here? So it can influence us. So if I get up here and all I do is I talk negative and all I do is go to war and all I do is um, warn, 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 that's not healthy. We need that, but we also need to hear about the goodness of God, the blessings of God, etc. And you need to understand that you have to speak right in your life. Amen? Because if you don't speak right, if you don't use your tongue right, if you speak to your children wrong, you speak to your husband wrong, you speak to your wife wrong, you speak to yourself wrong, you're going to have problems. You say, give me a quick fix. Give me a simple fix, Pastor. Well, I'm going to by the end. Okay? First, the bad news. You can't tame it. It's a savage monster. Amen? Okay? So do you understand why James is saying what he's saying? That you have an influence on other people. You have an influence on yourself. And I think a lot of times our problem is when we come to, come to church, man, the reason why we don't have victory is because we've been going at it with each other and our mouths have been running or we've been condemning ourselves and we come in here. We're not thinking right. If you haven't made it to the prayer room and had that gospel fountain flow through your soul and clean that stuff out of your heart, if you have not prayed, you're going to come in here full of negativity and there's nothing that I can preach. I could preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ and there's nothing I could preach to get you out of that negativity because you haven't been praying. You can't tame it. Only God can tame that negativity. Only God can tame that tongue. And prayer is where you get it. And I mean, I'm going to tell you something, be honest with you, you know, I kept Wednesday night, powerful word of the Lord, but I had a huge battle preaching to you. Because y'all came in, your minds weren't right. And I don't know where your minds were, I'm not saying to everybody, but I mean, I was in a major battle to preach that word because y'all weren't right. You know what gets us right is the prayer room. We get in the prayer room, then God, the Spirit of God comes and takes the, the purifying water of the gospel. His Spirit comes and removes all that trash out of us. Then we come in here and we're ready to hear the Word of God. Amen. But you got to get rid of some stuff. Hallelujah. And I don't really, I thank God I don't feel that this morning. You know, because it was, it was pretty tough for me Wednesday night. But you know what? God prevailed. And, um, I told Jeremiah and, you know, my wife afterwards, I said, when you get in a situation like that and the congregation is where they are, maybe they're in battle. I'm not accusing you of anything. Maybe you were just in battle. Maybe you were just tired. Maybe, maybe for some of y'all it was a hormonal thing. I don't know. I'm not accusing you of anything. But I'm just saying that when I, I talked to Jeremiah afterwards and I said, you better have the power of the anointing of the Holy Ghost when you step into situations and environments like that. Because there will be a, a, a spirit that will try to suppress and set on a service. You've got to have a lot of God, a lot of power of God, a lot of anointing, and the Word of God. You better know what you're doing when you preach because you're going to have to overcome that stuff that's in people. Say praise the Lord. And I thank God God's Word is powerful enough to do that. So that, that's a message. See, 
The kingdom of God is a voice-activated kingdom. And when I preach the Word of God, I'm activating something in your life. Faith and strength and power and victory. Hallelujah. Even repentance if you need to repent. But you have to come and receive with meekness, humility, the engrafted Word which is able to save your soul. And there's so much, brothers and sisters, in us that's trying to keep that from happening. Amen? So yeah, we know there's a devil. I don't have to stand up and preach about the devil every time I preach. Amen? Yeah, yeah, I know I know. there's areas of holiness that we need to be preaching on, but I don't want to stand up and preach on holiness every time I stand in the pulpit. I don't want to stand up and have to correct every issue that takes place in the church. To me, it doesn't produce a healthy environment. Hallelujah. Spiritually. But we will stand on the wall. We will sound the, the, the trumpet. We will warn when we need to, but we also need to declare things that will help you and benefit you. So I tell you, be careful about who you listen to. Be careful about listening to yourself. If you're, you're hearing the wrong voice. So let me say this. If it's wrong for you to speak it, it's wrong for you to listen to it. Say it again. If it's wrong for you to speak it, it's wrong for you to listen to it. Because those words that are coming to you that you're listening to are destructive for your life. You understand what I'm telling you? And that's a part of Lashon Hurrah. Okay? Jewish scholars will tell you if it's wrong for you to speak, it's wrong for you to listen to. Amen? So every one of us, you're influencing somebody. I'm influencing a church, a congregation. I'm influencing my family. People that I come in contact with on a daily basis. You're influencing people that you work with. You're influencing your family. You're influencing yourself. So it's important to make sure that we have our tongue in control. Everybody with me here? If you are with me, say praise the Lord. If you are with me, say I'm with you. See, that sets the whole direction of your heart. Okay, you with me here? Okay, say praise the Lord. For in many things we offend all. So we all stumble in this area. Every one of us. Especially if you're a communicator or you're an official a capacity of teacher, you are going to mess up at times in your speaking. So some people say, well, I'm just not going to talk anymore. Well, I don't know how you can accomplish that. You know. And, and praise the Lord. Now, you sisters really like to talk. And that's, that's because that's the way you're made. You're made to talk. And you can't figure out why that man don't want to speak. He's a mute. <laughs> you know, because he's not made like you. All right? I don't even know how many thousands of words y'all talking today. You know, and ours is not. We don't talk that much. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. So, But we all need this message. Especially those that are communicators and teachers of the Word of God. In an official and an unofficial capacity. Praise God. Okay, let's look at it. For many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, a whole man, and able also to bridle the whole body. You can control your tongue. You're able to control your whole body. Now, he's not talking about your hands. He's not talking about your legs, your feet. He's not talking about the physical body. 
He's talking about the faculties of your body. You control your tongue. You're controlling your senses. You're controlling your emotion. You're controlling your innermost being. See? So it's not just coming out of here to here. It's coming from here to here. It's affecting your innermost person when you speak. If you control it, go to Proverbs 30, 13. Proverbs 13, excuse me. Proverbs 13. Okay, if you could find it for me. I'm doing this from memory. It talks about if you can keep your mouth. You, three? Oh, yeah. Y'all are a blessing. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his what? Life. But he that openeth, openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. So if you can keep your mouth, you're keeping your life. See, I'm doing this from memory, so I appreciate y'all's help as far as these other passages, okay? So if we can control your tongue, then what are you doing? You can control your whole life. You're controlling the direction of your life. You're controlling the course of your life. Amen? How many of y'all want a good life? This is where it is, right here. Okay, so he starts out talking about um, if we're able to bridle the whole body. Um. See, I believe he's already talked about this before. In previous verse. Okay, chapter 1, read it and you'll find it. Okay, bridling the tongue causes the body, the direction of the body, the faculties of the body to be controlled. Is everybody with me? Do you understand that? Okay. Okay, so, look at it. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, we turn about their whole body. So, and I've told you before, James is amazing. He's an amazing pastor, an amazing teacher. You don't have to go outside for illustrations when you teach the book of James. He puts illustrations right in his teaching. He talks about the tongue here and how it controls the body. If you get have this tongue under control, your, your innermost being, who you are as an individual, you are uh, controlling your whole being if you are, your tongue is controlled, see? So it's not just coming from the innermost being out. Your tongue is actually affecting your innermost being. So it's reversed as well, okay? So first illustration, he talks about horses. He said, we put bits, bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Now think about that. A little bit, how many of you have ever rode a horse before? Do you see that bit in the horse's mouth, the bridle that's on the horse, horse's head? It only weighs a few ounces. It's small. But you put that bridle in the mouth of that horse's head, and that little, little bridle, that little bit that weighs only a few ounces, is able to control a, a, a horse that weighs hundreds of pounds. Amen? And what's interesting is that when James talks about these horses, he uses the term plural, horses. Not one horse, but horses plural. So, when you study this, although the word horse, it does it in, in the Greek language, horse is horse. 
Okay? But when you study the background of the word, scholars say that because it's plural, horses, he's talking about the war horse. Not just a single horse that a farmer might have to plow with, but a, a war horse because it's plural. And only the military had horses, plural. Most homes did not have horses, plural. So, he's talking then, based on that analogy, he's talking about war horses. How many of you know war horses are spirited? They're strong. They're spirited, all right? It's interesting to me, I don't know, I used to ride horses, and... You can spook a horse with almost just a, a small sound. Okay? But shoot a pellet gun or a BB gun, and it'll cause the horse to spook. I mean, just a little sound cause it to spook. So when we were around horses and we had like guns or whatever, even small, small uh, things like BB guns, we were real careful around the horse because it would spook them, any sound. Okay? A war horse is different. A war horse can go straight into the battle. It's spirited. It can handle all the chaos and all the confusion and all the noise of war and keep right on forward and not stop in its purpose. So that's showing you how spirited that horse is, how strong that horse that you cannot... Make it, you cannot put fear in that horse if it's a war horse. And, and Brother Mark, I tell you, that is unique to see. I always watch some of these, you know, uh, shows, battle shows, and I wonder how in the world can those horses go into battle? Because normally horses are real skittish, not a war horse. A war horse is spirited, a war horse does not fear, a war horse can be surrounded by chaos and confusion and wild noise of war and still be straight on in the battle. But James says, under this race of the Holy Ghost, he said even a spirited war horse can be turned with a little bit in the mouth. Then he goes on, he gives us another illustration. He says, Behold also the ships, which though they be great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Amen. Got this ship. And he says they're large ships. And that day they were actually large. Paul was on a ship that, you know, got in the winds of Eurocled in the book of Acts. And that ship, of course, was cast upon the rocks and it fell apart and destroyed. But that ship had over 200 people on it. There were ships in that day that would carry up to 500 people. So there were ships, large ships, even the New Testament days, that carries large amounts of cargo and large amounts of people. But he said, even those large ships, they are controlled by a small rudder. I don't know if you've ever seen ships that are docked, that are out of the water, and oh, you look at the back of that little humongous ship, and you got this little rudder that controls controls the direction of that humongous ship. You see what James is saying? Just like the bit controls the horse, he said the little rudder controls the ship. Your tongue controls you. Controls your whole body. So, all right. So, if the captain or the governor, he's the one that's really controlling the ship, not the rudder, right? 
but he gives the direction or whatever turns that rudder, the governor, the captain, as he says here, turns that rudder. And when he does that little bitty rudder causes this huge ship to turn. And not only that, but it has the ability to navigate through wind and storms and rain and waves of the sea. And what he's saying is this, is that in your life, if you and I can learn to control this tongue, it's small. It, you will have the ability to make it through the storms of life. The winds blow against you. The storms that come against you. The problems in life that come against you. If you can learn to control that tongue, you can navigate through those problem times, turbulent weather in your life. With the tongue. What you say. Say praise the Lord. Amen? Next. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Right? Boasteth great things. It's amazing what this little tongue can boast about and talk. It's amazing what this little tongue can stir up. It's a little tongue. Oh, I told you when we were in school, we used to have this saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that's not true. Words hurt bad. Okay? So that little tongue, what can it do? Well, it can boast great things. And he says, uh, Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So it is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. Amen? You start with a little spark. A little spark can set a forest on fire. Something little again, like the bridle, like the rudder, a spark can cause. That little spark can cause destruction and devastation so that you will look at it. It started out a little bitty fire and now it's wiped out a whole forest and hundreds and hundreds of miles of timber has been completely destroyed by that little spark. And James is saying, your tongue and my tongue is the same way. How many of you know you can start something with your tongue that's, that starts out being little and pretty soon it's completely out of control? And then you try to get it back under control, but you can't because it's like a forest fire. I mean, it's burning the timbers down. You say, oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that, but now it's out of control. And God's saying that your tongue and my tongue is like that. It's like a spark in the beginning, but pretty soon if you open your mouth and you say the wrong thing, you can cause destruction and devastation that you cannot bring back under control. Watch what you say. Amen. Have you ever got into a place where it started out small? Maybe a little, you know, a little fight, a little disagreement, a little, little boasting, a little pride, a little word, you know, slap this person, whatever. And all of a sudden, man, you are in World War III. And you can't rein it in. You can't control it. James says that's what the tongue will do in your life. Something so small can create something so big you can't bring it back under control. Why? You are setting the course of your life with your mouth. People that you listen to are setting the direction for your life. 
And that's what James is saying. You better be careful because, you know, there are people, I promise you, brothers and sisters, I've been pastor for a little while and I can tell you that have literally spoken to me and said, we don't know how we got here. I mean, no one day they're on fire for God. They're living for God. They're happy in the church. They're, doing, they're victorious. They're serving God. They're doing fantastic. Then all of a sudden, they find themselves in a bad place. And they say, don't know how we got here. I know how they got here. They either listen to the wrong, wrong words of another individual or they listen to some wrong words that they, can't, that they had in their own heart. And it caused them to, to plummet into failure and faultiness and destruction. That's what happens if you listen to the wrong words. Amen? He goes on and he says this right here. He says, it can defile the whole body. And then he says, and setteth this last part of verse 6, setteth on fire the course of nature. The course of nature, what does that mean? Sets on fire the course of nature. What that means is it sets on fire the wheels of life. Wheels, like literal wheels of life. That's one translation. The wheels of life. So what he's saying is that if you use your tongue wrongly, if I use my tongue wrongly, it will set on fire the wheels of my life. That means it can destroy my life. It will lead me, the wheels of life, will lead me down the path of destruction if I yield to it. And then he goes on and he says, the wheels of life, that direction you're going, that destructive direction you're going because of your tongue, where's that information coming from ultimately? He says, and it is set on fire of hell. Where did this, these thoughts come? Where did these words come from that brought destruction to your life, that, that, that sent the wheels of your life down the wrong path, the course of nature? It came ultimately from Satan whispering in your ear. Now the word that he uses here, he says it's uh, set on fire of hell. The Greek word is Gehenna. What is Gehenna? It's the garbage dump on the east, on the west, south side of Jerusalem, and they would take the rubbish, the rub, rubbish, not rubbish, but rubbish, the trash, and they'd throw it out there, and that fire would burn the trash. Jesus is the only other person that used the word Gehenna in the New Testament. James and Jesus. There were other terms that were used for hell, like Hades. But Jesus used Gehenna, and James, his brother, half-brother, used the word Gehenna as well. He says, you know what it's like, your tongue out of control? He said, you look out the southwest part of Jerusalem where all that garbage is burning. And Jesus said, it's where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. He said, that's what a tongue that's out of control looks like. It is a horrible place it's inspired by hell. It's not inspired by God. It's inspired by hell. If it's inspired by hell, we're not talking about the fires of the worms. We're talking about the one who is over hell. You can't say it that way, the devil. 
So you listen to the whisperings of the devil into your ear and you begin to speak that with your mouth, you're going to set on fire the wheels of your life. It will destroy your life. It will destroy your family. It will destroy your church. That little tongue not only controls the individual's body, but that little tongue and controls the whole body, the church. It can cause the destruction of a local church. It can bring down governments. The tongue is what causes wars to take place in the earth. The tongue is what causes the riots to take place in the streets. It destroys careers. It destroys lives. It destroys reputations. It destroys families. It destroys everything. It's got the ability to burn everything up. And it's inspired by the devil. It's not inspired by God. And that's what James says. You want your life to be completely destroyed? Then yield your tongue to the whispers of the devil in your ear. And it will destroy the wheels of the direction of your life. Very powerful. The tongue is a fire. So the bits in the horse's mouth, small, but can turn the head of a whole horse. You surrender your head to the wrong one, to the wrong person, to the wrong voice, to the wrong words. You can't control yourself. You surrender your tongue, your words. Amen. They're out of control. You can't control the direction of the ship in your life and the storms will destroy you. You can't. If we can't control our tongue, then we got a fire of destruction that's breaking out and it's burning everything down, destroying everything in its path. And it started ultimately inspired from hell itself. What are you going to do, man? You set something on fire and you can't reverse it. Such a destructive pattern in your life. You can't bring it back. You can't turn it around. And you get it, you get it in, a, in a forest fire like that, you can't stop it, man. Well, you can ultimately. You bring in the planes, you know, you bring in the water, you bring in, bring in the fire crew. It's going to take a lot to put the fire out. And I remember some elder pastors that I knew, uh, they told me when I was coming up in the ministry, they told me, I said, you know, Brother Carter, I'm always putting out fires. I'm always putting out fires in the church. And I've been pastor for a little while and I know what they're talking about when they say, always putting out fires. That's right. If you don't put out that small fire, it's going to ignite the whole body. So we, there are people, including myself, you got to think right, you got to talk right, you got to have the right facial expressions. If you don't, you can burn the temple down. And your life for sure is not going to be happy. Because it sets the direction of your life. Your tongue does. Remember, I'm talking about reverse. It only comes out of the innermost being. It starts here and controls the innermost being. That's what he's showing you. The bit, the tongue, controls the body. The bit, or the, the rudder, controls the ship. Are you with me? 
Now, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. We know that it comes out of the heart, but now we see it in reverse. That the little tongue, what we say, determines the direction of our life. Now, you can try your very best to abort what I'm saying. And what I mean by that is that, well, I don't believe what pastor's saying. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to talk whatever. I'm going to listen to whatever I want to listen to. You know, pastor, he's extreme, you know. And you can go down that road if you want to. But I promise you what's going to happen is your ship is going to be wrecked. And you're going to have a force that's burnt to the ground. And your life is going to be destroyed. Amen. I don't want that to happen in my family, in the church, in my own life. I can get so negative and talk so negatively that it completely distorts who I am as a human being. God doesn't want that from us. I'm trying to help you. Okay? Trying to help you. Amen. How many of y'all ever had a problem with your tongue? Yeah, we all do. With what we say, with what we listen to, set in the direction of our lives, can't avoid it. Now, if I have my tongue under control and you have your tongue under control, then we can, we're, we're in control. We're perfect. And remember, this term keeps coming up in the book of James. Really, it is, it is the main thing, is being whole. Okay? If you have the ability to control your tongue, then you are in control of your whole, all of your faculties. You're a perfect person. You're whole. That means whole, not sinless perfection. You're just whole. There's going to be wholeness in your life. There's going to be blessings in your life. You're going to have a good life. Amen? It's a lot of people. Man, people who can speak well, not just in ministry, but people who can speak well, uh, who, who know their subjects that they teach on, they get paid a lot of money because they know how to communicate. Communicators make a lot of money. Amen. I'm not, and this is not about money, but I'm just telling you that people put a premium on people's ability to speak. If you don't have, if you can't control your tongue at, at the job, in the church, in your family, in your own life, you're not going to do anything but direct your whole body the wrong direction. And you'll lose the blessings in your life. And doors will close on you. Amen? Because people listen to what you're saying. Amen? And I want to, I want to follow what James is saying here. I don't pre present myself to you as the example of this. This is my goal. Okay, because we all stumble in this area. None of us say everything right all the time. Amen. So he goes on from here and he talks about the animal kingdom. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. You think about that. Men can tame the animal kingdom. Why? Because God said you'll have dominion over that animal kingdom. Read Genesis 9. He put mankind in dominion over the animal kingdom. And he said we've tamed every kind of beast. 
But that doesn't mean when he says tame, you're thinking about the circus, right? Where the animals are doing tricks. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about the animals doing tricks. When he said every animal, bird, beast, can be tamed except one. And that's the savage monster in all of us. That savage monster that's in every one of you that's inside of me, you cannot humanly tame that. It's impossible. We have subdued animals. We put them into a cage. We controlled them. Every, you name them, sharks, wild animal, lions and tigers, you name it. We've caged them. Go to the zoo. You can walk in the zoo and you can see all kinds of animals. They may not be doing tricks, but they've been controlled. And James says, mankind, we have that. He goes back to creation, Genesis 9. We have that dominion over the animal kingdom. We can control them. We can, can, we can cage them. But there's one monster, savage monster in all of us that you cannot control. Now you think about that. That man, God has given man the ability to control the animal kingdom, the, the wild beast of the kingdom. But yet, man, humanly speaking, can't control the savage beast, the savage monster that's in us. And he's not just talking about the muscle in between our teeth. He's talking about our hearts. Amen? So that if I can't control that savage monster that's on the inside of me, my tongue, it's humanly impossible. I say, oh, I've been trying so hard not to say this, not to talk like this anymore. I've been trying so hard not to cuss, curse, and use prideful language. I've been trying so hard not to boast and to brag and, you know... Or boast and brag on my kids to the point that their egos are inflated, super inflated, and they believe what I'm saying and it's not real. You're the best this ever. You're the best this ever. There's nobody ever been like you. Oh yeah, right. And they have this super over hyper inflated ego because of the words that you told them. And when they're cor corrected or critiqued or criticized, they can't take it. Because their ego has been so built up by the parent, you know, that they're like some super duper whatever. They won't listen to a coach. They won't listen to a pastor. Because you've told them how wonderful they are all day long and they can't see the condition of their life. And you know you need to be balanced. You need to point out the good things that's in them, but you don't want to hyperinflate it. You don't want to make, uh, you know, become super egotistical and prideful. You know? Because then they start taking pictures like this. Are you awake? 
Praise the Lord. So we got to be careful how we see. So that tongue, man, building up pride or gossiping. Gossiping. You let, you let gossip get into a church. It'll take it out. If you, if you leave it in there, it'll take it out. It'll take it out. It'll wipe the whole body out. That's right. Amen. Everybody awake? Y'all awake? God bless you. So boasting, pride, gossip, insults, destructive language, destructive words. Hallelujah. Amen. Y'all with me? Well, you're sure is quiet in here. We're preaching on the tongue. I figured I'd be really getting after it this morning. You know what I'm talking about? Tongue is dangerous, isn't it? So you look at the animal kingdom that mankind has dominion over and contain, right? Oh, the, the most wild beast, but that savage monster on the inside of every one of you, including you, Melvis. See, look at her back there. She thinks she's perfect. I got a pick on her. She doesn't think that. She likes, she knows she's not. But anyway, you know, as perfect as you think she is, anyway, in the name of Jesus, we'll just let her, we'll just, Sister Melvis, we'll just let everybody thank you if you are, okay? Praise the Lord. That, that'll work, right? Amen. But it can destroy. This is what James is talking about. We shouldn't be using our tongues to destroy. You know, and every once in a while, we need somebody to come and give us a reality check. Reality check, you know. I, you know, it, it, some people they're like this. They really beat up on themselves all the time. So then you got to say, "Don't be so negative," because if you're so negative, you know, you're controlling who you are as a person. You can't be so negative all the time. You got to change that and say what the Lord has has done for you. But then you've got other people, man. They think they got wings in their back that they can do no wrong. And you kind of have to come on and say, you know, I, I hate to tell you this, but you, you know, you do have a little blemish right here. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. Give a reality check. But if you're not careful, brothers and sisters, that pride will get a hold of you. That boasting will get a hold of you. You start talking great. Oh, how, how great a little member Kenneth. Amen. So this is what James is talking about. See, how many of y'all know you can't tame that tongue? You tried? Have anybody ever tried to tame that tongue? You want to know how godly you are? Hit your finger with a hammer. You'll find out how much God you got. Now, don't walk in here tonight and lift your finger up and all bloody and say, see, Pastor told us to, to hit our finger with a hammer. I'm just, I'm just telling you. You hit your finger, you hit the wrong nail, man. We're going to find out how much God's you got. If something doesn't go your way, the way you, way you want it to, we'll see how much God's you got. Because you can't tame it, you can't control it. Only God can tame it. Only God can control it. That's why you need the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. That's how you know 
that you have God in your life, that you've been filled with the Spirit. Because if God gets your tongue and you speak with other tongues, that means He's got your whole being. And there's some people who can't speak in tongues because they can't yield their control. You yield your control to the Spirit of the living God, and if God takes control, that means you'll start speaking with other tongues. That's the proof He's got your whole being. He's got your mind. He's got your innermost being. He's got all of you when you speak with other tongues. Only God can control that tongue. That's why you need the Holy Ghost. That's why you need to speak in tongues every day if possible. Then God is in control. Prayer is the simple answer to a tongue that's out of control. Because you're letting the Spirit of the living God come and wash you with the fountains of the Gospel. The fountains of His Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Only God can tame it. Only God. Give me a quick fix, Pastor. I'll go buy the book. You don't even have to buy a book. The quick fix to your tongue is knowing you can't control it and you need to get in prayer. Prayer is the answer. And yielding your life to the Spirit of God and letting Him take control of your tongue. That's the answer. And stop listening to the wrong voice from hell or other people or your own words. That's the fix. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. It'll change the direction of your life. It'll change everything. Because that's what He says here in the Word of God. You can't tame it. Only God can. He said, it is full of deadly poison. It's unruly evil and it's full of deadly poison. You can kill somebody with your tongue. You can destroy their life with your tongue. You can destroy a body, a church with your tongue. Family, career, government, anything. It's a poisonous. It's full of evil. It's a, and I say it again. It is a savage monster that can't be tamed. That's why we're titling this message where we are the savage monster because man cannot tame it. All the other beasts he can, but not the tongue. Only God can. And so he continues and he says here, he Therefore, bless we God, even the Father. Now, I want to back up to verse 8 again. But the tongue can know what? Man tame. If you're a believer and you read that passage, you know exactly what James is saying. If no man can tame it, if you're a believer, you know what he's saying. Only God can. He don't have to say that. If you're a believer, you know it. Amen? Therefore, or here with verse 9, therewith we bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Ah. So we go to church. Oh, Jesus, I love you. I praise you. I worship you. Know, we're just blessing God and we're praising the Lord. And then after we leave church, we sit at the table and we just pick each other apart.
duplicity. He said, you're double-minded. How can we go to church and bless God and then curse man that's created in the image of God? What he's saying is this. If you and I or I come to church and we praise the Lord and as soon as we leave church, we start cursing our fellow man that's created in the image of God. Just tearing them apart, man. What God is saying is because man is created in the image of God, if you're attacking man and seeking to destroy him, slander him, whatever you see, you're attacking God. When you attack man who was created in the image of God, you're attacking God. So how can you go to church and worship and praise God and then leave and just destroy with your mouth the reputation or the church or whatever? People. When you do that, he said you're attacking God because man is created in the image of God. Question, brothers and sisters. Okay? If we have this hypocrisy in our life, if I come in, I'm worshiping God, happy to be going, smile on my face, happy, happy, hey, how you doing? Love you, love you, God bless you. How you doing? All right, oh, wonderful. Amen. And then as soon as I leave the church, I'm having the pastor and his wife for dinner. Or I'm running the church down. Question for you. Question for me. If I do that, how can I expect my children to ever be saved? How can you expect your children to be on fire for God and responding to the Word of God? Because when you get them home, all you do is have the pastor and his wife for lunch or a good brother and sister. Just destroy them. Destroy the church. Talk negative about the church. Now, there are things that sometimes come up in my house as a pastor. And, I mean, I'm dealing with stuff right there and my family knows. They see it. Okay? Legitimate problems, legitimate wrong in the church. My family knows. But if I'm just letting people have it just for the sake of letting them have it, just because I don't like them, how can my children be saved? I don't see how your children are going to be saved doing that. Amen? you got a problem with somebody in the church or something, some situation in the church, bring it to my attention. Let's get in that office. Let's talk about it in that office. Don't take it out of the four doors of this church and go sit and talk it over at the lunch table. Because there's nobody there that can fix it. If you really want it fixed, then you'll get with the pastor of the church if it's that bad, and you'll talk to the pastor of the church, and we'll try to bring reconciliation to the situation. When you're sitting around and just, just letting it run, man, it's like a sewer. 
And there's nobody there with authority, nobody that can fix it or correct it at all. But you're going to keep it to yourself. You're going to keep it to your within your little family. And and then we're trying to figure, what's wrong with brother and sister? What's wrong with their kids? What's wrong with their family? It's because oftentimes we come to church and we're praising and worshiping God. And as soon as we get out of here, we're picking each other apart. We're destroying each other. My kids, you know, if my minds start going down the wrong direction, they start talking about somebody they shouldn't be talking in an illegitimate way. I said, nope. Stop it. Okay? If they bring something to my attention that's legitimate, I say, I know there's a problem there. I know. And, and we're working on it. We're trying to get them through it. Amen. Get into a place of repentance. We're, we're, we're trying to correct the situation. I know about the problem. Okay? But if they just go off on somebody. Amen. Well, I got one, you know, that's not living at home anymore, but one that still is. And I will correct them. And I will say, don't talk about them like that. Those are some good people. When's the last time a conversation like that ever came up in your in your home? Maybe somebody just going at you, just just eating somebody alive. And there was there's nothing legitimate there about it. They just you know there's just a problem, and they're just running them out. When was the last time you looked at them and said, "Oh no, that's your brother, that's your sister in the Lord. They're not perfect, nor are we." Pray for them, love them, Amen. Praise the Lord. But if we just let this sewer, man, just how can you be saved? How can I be saved? How can our kids be saved? Because we come to church, you know, I'll tell you, brothers and sisters. You know, in the past, I've dealt with situations and a parent get sideways with the church, get sideways with the pastor, got a sorry spirit, a sorry attitude. And I had to look at it for years. And I watched over time. The child picked up the same nature, the same spirit. Where did they get that? Where did, they get, where did that child get that? They didn't grow up thinking that way. Children are prejudiced by nature. As little children, they have to be taught to be prejudiced. When you see a little, ch little child, I know sometimes they'll fuss and fight over a toy. You know, that's mine. They're, they're selfish. Just like us. But most of the time, you know, they don't, they don't they have prejudice about the color of skin. They don't want, you know, just want to fight. Just to, I mean, maybe they do. I don't know. My point is this, you've got to teach them. They had to hear you talking bad about somebody to learn to talk bad about somebody. Amen. You've got to correct them. Say, we don't talk like that here. Amen. Now, I told you, he's a realist. James is a realist. He says, we all fall in this area, but we better get control of it. Because if we don't, it's going to wipe your family out. It's going to wipe this body out. You want a church in Odessa? You want a church right here? We've got to stop it. 
this fussing and fighting and division and hating on each other and talking about each other behind each other's backs and stuff. You know, and our kids are hearing that. And they're going, they're going, to, they're going to live for God, you think? Brother Dice, years and years ago when he was alive, he told me, he said, Brother Carter, he said, don't talk about church problems around your kids. Don't talk about church problems around your kids. That is hard to do when you're a pastor and you live as a pastor every day. Not just a Wednesday, not just a Sunday, but every day you're in the lives of people. They hear conversations. Okay? They hear the problems. You know? Sometimes my wife and I, there'll be tension over something that's happening within the church. Somebody did something, you know. It'll create tension in my home. It'll create a problem between me and my wife. Understand? Because emotions get heated. So, you know, it's hard to follow that advice. But he said, don't talk about church problems around your kids. If we do that, you'll destroy them. They'll grow up hating the church. And, oh, as far as you're concerned, that's my brother, that's my sister. They're, those are good people. Amen. Are y'all here? Now, if you know something's wrong with somebody and they come to you, just say, you know what? I'm hearing what you're saying and it's true. It's true. Okay, what you're saying, just get away from it. Just get away from it. But you don't have to barbecue them. Amen. Situations come in my home, my children. I said, I'm aware of it. I know what you're talking about. It is true. I'm not disregarding, discounting what you're saying. It is true. Get away from them until they change. They hurt me. I know. See? But if we don't keep it under control, how bless we God and curse man who is created in the image of God. You're attacking God. You attack the body of Christ with a destructive goal in mind, you are attacking God Himself. Can't do it. What is James saying? He said, that's duplicity. That's, that's being double-minded. And he goes on and he gives us illustrations again as I come to a close. He says, Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? What is the answer, brothers and sisters, to that question? Can, a, can a, the, a fountain, the origin, the source, can it be producing two different kinds of water at the same time? Can it produce fresh water? Right? Refreshing water. It's good to drink. And then salt water at the same time? The answer is no. The fountain's either producing salt water or the fountain is producing Fresh water can't produce both. It produces after its kind. God's creation, God's whole order of things. When He created, read Genesis 1, when He created the animals, He said, after their kind. Talked about the plants. He said, after their kind. 
believe it's Leviticus 19. You'll have to check me out. But he, he said, don't, don't cross, don't interbreed animals. Why? So they stay in kind. Animals don't violate this law. Animals are not double-minded. Plants are not double-minded. You understand? They're not. They produce after their kind. But mankind, because of his freedom, because of the freedom that God has given man, he can be double-minded. He can be two at the same time. Animals, no. Plants, no. They're governed by that order. But a man can come and praise God, sweet water, and then walk right out and curse, seek to destroy man with the same tongue. Animals don't do that. They produce after their kind. Water doesn't produce that. Salt water produces a fountain of uh, a flow of salt water is going to continue to be salt water. Another fountain is fresh water. It's, it can't be two at the same time. And what James is saying to you and I is that you and I should not be like that. We should not be double-minded. We shouldn't be two-souled people. We shouldn't be fountains with gospel news, fountains with living water of God's Spirit, fountains of blessing, and then a fountain of cursing and destruction. But we are. Because of the freedom that God has given us as human beings. You can come in here. I can stand here and I can preach the Word of God to you and be cursing like a sailor, prideful, arrogant, boastful. I can be gossiping. I can be destroying people's reputations. And I just got through preaching. Ought not be happening. Same thing with you. Come in here praising and worshiping God. Leave the church house and lie at the door. Praising God with the mouth and lying at the door. Shouldn't be happening. Shouldn't be lying and gossiping and destroying each other with our mouths and coming to the door. I love you, Jesus. But we do at times if we're not careful. You get the point? Destroy each other, man. You can come to church and act like everything's okay. I need to ask you the question again. Will your children be saved? That's why we have to be very careful. Because you can destroy your own kids with your mouth. Now, that might, if, there, if there's anybody here today who don't care about your children, whether or not they're going to go to heaven or not, whether or not they're going to be saved, you need to get some natural affection in you. You need to get a hold of God. You say out of your mouth, I don't care. How can you not care about your own own children? 
Amen? What should be coming out of our mouth is the fresh water. Not the salt. Are we really, are we really truly generated, regenerated by the power of God's Spirit? Is His Spirit washing over us with the fresh waters of the gospel, cleansing us of all of that evil? The, the shown hurrah, the evil tongue? Cleansing, is He cleansing that out of us? When you talk, is it sweet water or is it bitter? Just full of bitterness. Full of bitterness. Full of poison. Do you see? And brothers and sisters, he's showing the effects not only on other people, but the effects you'll have on your own life. You let bitter, negative poison constantly flow out of you. It's going to control your whole being. That's what James says. And I believe this. I believe it. You keep your mouth, you keep your life. You want a happy life? Then refrain your tongue from evil. Praise the Lord. I said, well, it just came out of me. Well, then God says, no, you can reverse it. You can control the tongue and change the heart. Yes, you can, by the power of the Spirit of God, control the tongue and change the heart. Tonight, today, with me here, praise the Lord. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Gotta change the power. There's power in that. So you gotta start changing. You gotta start talking different. I told you Wednesday night, you gotta start planting some different seeds. And you know what, brothers and sisters, listen to your pastor, okay? I love you. And, and I don't know personally of anything, you know, uh, individual families that's going on right now. I'm just hitting things in general. I don't have any, 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 you know, specific family I'm talking about that I know about, okay? But if you know as, as a family that you come and praise God and then you, you, you know, sit around and pick people apart, as soon as you leave here or whatever, line, whatever. You know what you need to do with your family? You need to sit down. You know what? This is what we've been doing. We're not going to do that anymore. We're going to ask God to forgive us. We're going to put it under the blood. We're going to change our conversation about the church, about people in the church, about ourselves, about ourselves. Stop talking bitter all the time, poison all the time. Man, do you understand it can distort? I know, man. I live with, with stuff all the time. I live all the time in garbage as a pastor. If all I talk about and all I deal with and all I see is all the trash I deal with and that's all I talk about and deal with, you know what? It's going to distort who I am as a human being. I've got to have the ability somehow, instead of focusing on all the trash, focusing on the good things, the blessings of God. That's my church. Those are the people of God. Yeah, they, they're not perfect, but they're just like me. We're going to keep on living for the Lord. 
And by the grace of God, we're going to get better. We're going to change with time. Amen. Say praise the Lord. Amen. And I'm going to bless my church instead of cursing it all the time. Wonder why we don't have revival. Well, maybe, maybe some of that's on me. Okay? I own it. If a pastor is not right in his heart toward a church, he'll never have revival. But if a church is not right with their pastor, they'll never have revival. If you're not right with your church, how can you have revival? Because all you've done is sit around and pick each other apart and you hate, you just hate going to church, hate being here. You think you're going to invite anybody to come to church? Because you're so miserable. If you're miserable, are you going to invite anybody to this place? You hate the church? You're going to want them to come where you to the place you hate? I tell you no. Okay? And we go out there and we can talk all day long. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. And that's good. We need to tell people about the Lord. But there's something about our spirits that people pick up on. And they know something's wrong with that water. Amen? So we need to pray, don't we? I need to pray as a pastor. Lord, put the right words in my mouth that I might be a blessing and not a curse. And I need to stand and I need to warn. I need correction and all that. But at the same time, we've got good news, man. We've got, a, we've got a message of gospel. Good news is a message of blessing and life transformation. Okay? I get that. So I'm owning what I need to own. But what about you? Do you want revival? It's going to start with a tongue. How you're talking about yourself, about the church, about, you know, you know what I'm saying? You're going to make it? You're going to make it? I'm going to make it in Jesus' name by the grace of God. You know why? Because I'm going to believe what the Bible says. I'm going to believe what the Word of God says. And I'm going to understand the power of influence of my teaching. And you, if you're not an official teacher, you need to understand the power of influence and in what you just say to other people. You need to understand the power of influence upon your own heart and own life and own mind. Okay? You know? My son's not perfect, but I, I, he's got some qualities that I admire. I really do admire him. So he, yeah, if he should be 19 years old, I admire him because we traded his truck in. He needed something more economical, you know, so he's driving all the time and he wanted something economical. So we traded his truck in and he got a car, 2017 Mustang, right? Well, you know, I got money back on the trade and people can't believe that. When they took the check to the bank, they said, you got money back? Yeah. It is a large amount of money because I've been doing this for a while. I know what I know how to handle these people over here. But brother, brother Patrick, he's on my side. He's not against me. But yeah, I'm just kidding. But I've been doing this for a long time, so I know how to do it. Right? So I'm bragging. I'm boasting. Here's that tongue again, right out of control. <laughs> but they couldn't believe you. I got money back. But we got money back, right? And he got this car. 
and he didn't blow up the the YouTube. He didn't blow up the uh, the uh, Instagram. He didn't blow it up, boasting and bragging about his car. As far as I know, unless something's changed. You know what he said to me? He said, I didn't do that. He said, because there's some people that, that can't do this. There's some people that don't have the ability to do this. See what I'm saying? Oh, man. There's some people, they want to communicate everything. that They buy this, they buy that, they buy... Oh, it's on, man, it's out there on Instagram because they want everybody to know their business. Boasting and bragging about the new thing. They never think about the person that's looking at that that can't do that. Amen. See, are we out there always talking about ourselves? I mean, it's just we got to watch it, don't we? And by the way, if y'all did know, and I'll be negative right now, but how many of y'all would even go up there and say congratulations to him? Or you'd go over there and look at it and go, mm -hmm. <laughs> Amen. Oh, man, we need to learn to communicate correctly. And I think it is important, though, too, you know, we don't want to go to the extreme where we're creating mutes. You know? Teach your children to go and, and say hello. If that's all they know how to say, just hello, Brother Timothy. Hello. Hello. You know? Teach them. If they're if they have a hard time hawking, say, "Oh, you, you don't have to strike." I'm afraid. Just go say hello. That's all you got to do, right? And then maybe if you're talking to an adult, the adult will pick up the conversation and just kind of just carry the conversation. You don't have nothing to worry about, man. I just don't. I don't understand some people. And they're on the other side. Oh, yeah. Well, you let them get out of here and get outside and get in the car or get at the dinner table and the mutes, woo! I mean, it's like the red lights on a railroad track. Woo, 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 woo. Here comes a train, man. You know what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. I mean, y'all agree we need to be consistent. Oh, nobody? Okay. Well, good. That, that shows you how good a job I've done this morning, right? I'm a, I'm a master teacher. <laughs> nobody thinks they need to be consistent in this area. Boy, I have really done my job, man. I'm telling you. For all y'all on the internet land, not one person lifted their hand. Can a fig tree bring, uh, can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Either vine, figs, so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. 
they were going to produce after their kind. You get a point, right? But here we are. We have the ability to commit duplicity and, and be double-minded, double in our speech. And James is saying this shouldn't be happening with the people of God. It should not be happening. We need to pray. You need to pray. I need to pray. We need to get full of the Holy Ghost and let the waters of God's Spirit flood through our soul so that when we speak, we have influence on other people in a way that blesses their life or brings change to their life in a way that it blesses the body of Christ, the church, where it blesses your own life as you influence yourself as well with what you say with your tongue. Amen. Do you say something wrong? Apologize. Just say to apologize. I mean, I had to apologize last night. Jeremiah, you know, he's going at me all the time. He always talks about how old I am and how he's going to will. You know, we, got, we live close to a rest home. And he said he's going to... And his mom is really... See, they're talking wrong. His mother and Jeremiah get together and they start talking about putting me in a wheelchair, taping me up, taping my mouth, you know, putting, I don't know, my name on my forehead and, and then just wheeling me across the street and hoping find somebody will find me. And they never apologize for that kind of talk, right? Anyway, so last night so I said something to Jeremiah and I popped off, you know, and I felt really bad. And I said, I'm sorry, Jeremiah. And I just kind of, you know, kind of tried to laugh it off, but he was kind of mad. And, you know, and he went to his room, off to his room, and I was still feeling so bad because I knew what I was going to preach this morning, right? <laughs> but I was feeling so bad. You know, and I go, man, I've already, I've already messed up. And so I knocked on his door, ding, ding, ding. I said, good night, Jeremiah. I just want to listen to his tone of his voice, see if he's okay. Good night. He was happy again, you know. So I okay, go, all right, praise the Lord, amen. You know, but we all do it, right? Yeah, praise the Lord. I thank God for Jeremiah. One thing about him is he gets happy real fast. You know, you can have, you can, we can have some disagreements or whatever, and before I know it, he's in the shower and he's singing. He just, but he's always been that way. He's always been real happy, you know, and, and I appreciate him. But I violated what I'm preaching to you before I went to bed last night, you know. But I got to thinking about them. I said, why don't they ever apologize to me about putting me in a wheelchair and taping me up and wheeling me across the street? I mean, I don't think that's right, you know. Amen, would you stand? I hope this has been a blessing to you. Amen. Praise God. Father, we ask your blessing right now in the mighty name of Jesus upon your people today.